everyone. I'm Dr. Jacqueline Duget, the host of What is Black Podcast. Throughout the month of June, What is Black Podcast episodes will be presented by Audible. I enjoy listening to books on Audible and excited to share that this month I'm launching What is Black's Book Club. Our pick for this month is Genesis Begins Again by Alicia D. Williams. Audible provides podcasts, wellness programs, Audible originals, and books that you'll enjoy as well. So sign up today for your free 30-day trial at www.audibletrial.com forward slash what is black. That is www.audibletrial.com forward slash what is black to get your copy of Genesis Begins Again by Alicia D. Williams. Welcome, Dr. Barnes, to the show. How are you doing this evening? I'm okay. How are you? I'm doing very well. So before I introduce Dr. our conversation with um, Dr. Sharita Barnes, I wanted to just um, just do a little segue. Our last episode of What is Black, I had an opportunity to talk with author Alicia D. Williams about her book, Genesis Begins Again, which really focuses on a young, a, a middle-aged um, young woman dealing with colorism. And as much as I love to talk about books as tools for parents, I figured that this topic is so important, so relevant today that I wanted to talk with an expert, um, Dr. Barnes, a little bit more to provide a little bit more in-depth conversation as well as some tools for parents um, to really address um, the issue of colorism with their children. So um, I'm going to start a conversation with Dr. Barnes. So welcome, Dr. Barnes, to um, What is Black Podcast. Thank you for having me. So excited. Um, as we, you know, when we, when we spoke before the interview, I had an opportunity to read um, an article of your work. And I was like, so, you know, so excited to reach out to you and talk about this important topic. So before we even get into the discussion about colorism, can you can you explain first? First, if you can give a little bit about your background yeah. and, and then we can get into um your connection and in terms of your expertise as a psychologist regarding the topic of colorism. Oh, absolutely. And so um, I am a developmental psychologist. And so what I do is um, I'm a professor at WashU, but as a developmental scientist, I tr- uh, explore um, adolescence development over time. That's one piece of it. And for me, I center African-American adolescence. And so a lot of my research is understanding what are some positive attributes, what are some positive assets, what are resources that allows African-American kids to thrive in their neighborhoods and in school settings. And most often that looks like not only um, um, getting information from adolescents, but also asking parents about their own experiences, raising their children, and also just centering the importance of culture and the importance of black voices and centering black voices. And so within school settings, I look at things such as school racism, school climate, how that impacts the mental health and educational trajectories of black kids. And one of the main tenets I focus on on how parents can sort of help children around that is this idea of racial socialization. And that is this communication of black parents informing children of who they are, because this is something that we have to do because of society. And, and, and to bring in colorism, colorism is a, is, is a large part of that, because it gets into history, um, a history that a lot of us don't want to talk about, but colorism is a part of that as well. Oh, man. So I knew you were the right person to talk with about this topic. 
So, so if we can go into a little bit of detail, I think most most of our listeners will know what colorism is. But for those who are, who are not familiar with the term, can you can you describe co- what colorism is for us? Yeah, yeah. So colorism is a um, it's defined as a system in which we sort of attribute skin color stratification, where lighter skin is privileged in ways that darker skin is not privileged. And so what we do with this skin color stratification, we're stratifying persons based on their skin tone, but it's also this idea where we're creating these these false hierarchies of what is more desirable. And we see it um, the way that um, images are portrayed in media. Um, We see how it plays out in our education system where um, there's research that shows that colorism is associated with school discipline. Um, and we also see it a lot in housing discrimination, even the way that folks are sentenced um, in the criminal justice system. And so colorism is based on this skin color stratification that has real implications for the way in which Black families live and the way that we raise our children. And what I'm and as we discussed before, I mean, I think the the book that I Alicia D. Williams' book um, Genesis Begins Again to me was like so so striking in how honest I think the depiction of what the main character Genesis was going through. And I had I had the opportunity, you know, to also interview another author. Um, her book um, Black Brother, Black Brother also. Um, a lot of books recently, I think, are, are really touching on colorism. And what's interesting to me, what was really was really startling for me, is the fact that they chose to do it as a as a middle grade novel. So I just wanted to talk about like developmentally that age group. You know, really talking about because I think a lot of books might might talk about it. For older kids, you know, we talked about the bluest eye briefly in the in the prior interview, and I think that definitely is an older book. But I had never really seen the topic tackled um, for for this age group, for the for the middle age group. So I just wanted to talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so one of the things I think that we do is a lot of these topics that we bring up, like colorism, is a is a tough topic to discuss. And so what parents typically do, and this is why we see the writing in middle and high school, because this is when we, um, you know, when kids are more, as we say, cognitively mature and can handle these conversations. But the downfall to that is that these things are happening much early where, and it goes along with racial socialization, where even in elementary school, children, based upon practices, unfair practices and policies that we see, are being discriminated against, and it could be because of colorism. And we're not having these conversations with our children, and there are gendered experiences. Um, and some of my research, you know, involves talking to children about, um, you know, these differences. And some children have stated, I felt like I was treated differently because I'm darker than he or she is. And this is like second and third graders. So it's not as if it's not going on. I just don't think we're comfortable to have these conversations with our kids. Well, I mean, I can definitely, you know, speak to that as well. I think, you know, we're both moms. I don't mm-hmm. think I would, I don't even think I would have had the the vocabulary really to talk about it. I think if my, if my kids had verbalized that to me, I think I would have been more like, oh, you know, I'm, I don't even know what, what words I would have said. Right. I think as they got older, yeah. they, like you said, this cognitive um, ability to express themselves, 
um, and understand a little bit more. I think it, it was it was easier to talk with them as they got to middle school and high school, right? But it still didn't make the, make the conversation any easier. And I think because I have boys, have young men, that I think made it even harder because I think, you know, the way I grew up, I'm, I'm, I'm light-skinned, I'm biracial, right? You know, my my experiences have have been different than my my kids. My kids are darker skin than I am, but for many people, they may also be considered considered fair skin. So it's just very it's just very interesting, right? Yeah. So yeah, how we yeah. how we tackle those topics? That's right, that's right. And it's interesting that you brought that up because I think it really you know a lot of these conversations though we have to be self-reflective of our own experiences around it, right? And so it was more central for me because I am a darker-skinned African-American and my hair is very coarse. And so I remember those experiences of colorism very early on. So I have two girls. And so my oldest daughter is fair-skinned and my youngest daughter has my complexion. And so you have two different stories. In, in, in terms of what's going on and how they're perceived. And then you have the hair texture issue. So there's definitely gender differences, but it's happening. But I think a lot of these conversations is that, you know, sometimes as parents, I'm like, okay, if I bring it up, that means they're going to start thinking about it. Then I'm sort of causing this issue, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's why we don't really want to, and you know, we really don't want to have these conversations with our kids, but it's it's important because we have to explain these things to them before we let the world define who they are. And, and, and you know, them, them going out there and experiencing that and not really having the tools to navigate it or to talk about it. But as parents, we got to work on ourselves, too. So I'm glad that you brought that up because it's something that I struggle with all the time. Yeah, I mean, I think it, I think it was definitely, I mean, it's very interesting, right? Because I think growing up as well, I mean, again, I think I think I I think I did know it existed, right? I mean, I wasn't like it wasn't it wasn't that I did not know that it existed, right? Um, I grew up in Washington D.C., and I think though for me, I had you know growing up, I had experiences where because I was I looked so different than the majority of my family, you know, it's like I knew I knew my brother was treated differently, right, because of the color of his skin, and I think the one thing that really stands out for me is in kindergarten. Well, I should say when my when my brother was in kindergarten, he was younger, and I went to the class, and the teacher was kind of like taken aback when I said, "Oh, I'm here to see my brother," and she saw the color of my brother's skin, and she saw, you know, what I look like, and she was like, "Uh, you know," it's like that's your sister, right? So, which is you know, so even so, when you're saying like you know, we we experience these things very young, and for many of us, right, it sticks with us. The one, the, those couple of experiences that people treated us differently, right? Or, or had had some some reaction that, like you said, I don't know if I, I don't even think I mentioned it to my parents, right? I don't even know if I would have had the vocabulary in right. second grade, right? But right. I think, but I think there were other moments where I did bring up to my parents, like, oh, you know, such and such is happening, right? And they did not have you know, I guess the the right way to, they, they did the best that they could to address it, but I agree with you. I think these, these instances occur fairly young. And I think that's proven by, oh man, um, the doll, the doll experiment, right? Right, right. Can it be Picard? Yeah, Mandy Picard, the doll experiment. We see it where kids was identifying anything lighter with, with, you know, being great, being, we having, you know, having good behavior. 
these things are socialized and we internalize them. And the thing is, if we don't talk about it, and just because a light, lighter skinned person is maybe um, treated with more privilege, it's, it's all relative, right? Because um, biracial kids have different experiences. Um, but then it's this idea that it doesn't make it okay either. Right, so it's it's not it's it's not to say because someone is being treated in um, like a fairer skinned person might have more privilege that might not sit well with them, and it doesn't with a lot, and so with with a lot of folks, and so this sort of like internal thing that we see the you know we see it in the media, light skin versus the dark skins, all of that is not useful, it's not helpful, and it just feeds into this narrative that we have to sort of you know we have to um, kind of put away, we have to do it. For the sake of our kids, we have to. So let's talk a little bit about how we have that. How how do we have those conversations yeah. with our kids? Ooh. If you can provide like some, <laughs> I mean, I guess like if I guess if you had like the million dollar answer, right? We would, you know. Well, you know, this is the thing. I think number one, I always think so. There's different ways. Like we don't, as you know, we as parents don't come in the world with all of these like instructions on things to do. But one of the things I've noticed as a developmental psychologist, is sort of working with families, is that. The mess is all about messaging, it's all about socialization and the way that we communicate. So I think that before we have a discussion with our kids about this, we have to do some self-reflecting in terms of how do we view ourselves? How, where do we fall at in this, in this ridiculous game of colorism? Where do we fall at? How have we been privileged or victimized by it? How has it shown up in our families, our communities, or our jobs? And are we perpetuating this narrative? So I'm like this even with my own research, um, talking to families, or even with my own children. How do we, what do we bring into this conversation of what do we know about colorism? Because I think the more, if we're uncomfortable with it, our communication to our kids are gonna be uncomfortable with it. So I think if we ask ourselves these questions and then we, it's okay not to know, right? And it's okay to explore together. I think this is where we can have conversations with our kids because they're gonna have, you know, they're gonna have questions. But I think with a topic like this, we have to know where we stand. I hope that, so, I, so it's just not like one single answer, but it really is self-reflection as parents and where we're at on this continuum and our experience with it. Does that make sense what I'm oh, saying? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think that I think that makes great sense and it's really practical. Yeah. And I'm just going to go back to even the book that, you know, that we kind of really, really jumps off this conversation in the sense that the, the main character's parents in the book and even her grandmother, right? So in the story, the, the, the protagonist's grandmother is, is fair-skinned. Her mom is fair-skinned. Her dad is, is dark, darker-skinned. And there's this legacy of how the grandmother, you know, had a problem with her daughter marrying a darker-skinned man. Mm-hmm. And the daughter sort of rebelling against her parents, right? Because, like, you know, she didn't feel privileged having fair skin. She, right. wa- you know, she yeah. wanted to marry a darker-skinned man. I mean, I don't think she intentionally, like, I don't think all of these are, like, conscious decisions or choices, right, for the book. But, again, I think it really speaks to what you're saying in terms of, like, what's, what is our environment, right? How have we been 
been fed information so that or how we've been socialized, you know, to use your use your your terminology, right? To feel, you know, to have this internalized view of ourselves and our people that we make these choices, and again, how they perpetuated their own internalized racism, right? Right? Or this intergenerational racism. So it's just like it was just very. So I so I agree with you. I think. We do have to check ourselves and really figure out, like, okay, you know, you you, you might say something. Or what are the things you're saying to your kids, right? Because I think even in the story, right, the mom makes That's emphasis right. to the daughter's hair. That's right. That's right. All of those. And it's so, and, I, and I'm glad that you brought that up, Jackie, because there's some research. So another practical thing that parents can do, like for me, right? And so I'm, you know, black parent. I can, you know, there's a science, but then I also want to share things that I do to, you know, that I think is particularly important. And these are... You know, I make sure that I buy magazines and books of, of folks of different skin tones. Black is beautiful. So I make sure that I have an array of paintings and art and magazines that show the beauty of African-Americans, of our culture, so that my daughters are used to seeing these things. And there is some research that shows that for kids early on, pre-K, kindergarten, this exposure to this type of art to paintings, to images, is associated with a, like a healthy racial identity. Kids loving themselves, right? And so I want to make sure that I present that because when I was growing up, I mean, we just had Essence. And I remember Essence was amazing, Essence and Ebony, but that's where I looked to see some sort of reflection of myself. And now I think it's even more important that we do that. Oh, I totally agree. Um, and I think why is it even more important nowadays is the fact that I think there's, um, I think for a while, I think it's been important to talk about race, right? But I think, but I think now I think it's even in the climate that we're in, we have to, we have to help our kids feel loved and, and respected and nourished, right? That's right. Um, That's right. That's right, because all of these things, you know, loving yourself, you have higher self-worth, self-esteem, but it's also associated with, you know, higher academic outcomes, um, you know, healthier um, mental health, healthier social-emotional well-being. And so, you know, colorism is an ugly part. It's, it's, it's our history, and it's um, a, a distasteful history, right? It is this unkind, ugly history. And, 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 and a lot of parents, we don't want to have these conversations with our kids about it, but we have to before you get the socialization of these media images, right? And these incidences that happen at school where our kids feel like they don't have the tools to sort of deal with that. So to, I wanted to touch a little bit about what you mentioned earlier about this connection also. It's not just not just the color of the skin, right? But there's also sometimes texturism, right? The yeah. hair, right? Mm-hmm. And then also how how I, especially since your research is a lot of one um, young women, how how they see themselves as beautiful or how we define beauty for them. Oh, absolutely. And so you're asking how we define beauty for them, or what are you? I guess I'm thinking like I'm just thinking for for me like. For me, the issue of colorism is really also tied to. I mean, it's a tie. It's definitely tied to self identity. But okay. I also find for for young women, right? There's a there's an issue of how we define beauty. Yes, 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 yes. No, and, that absolutely is right. Yes, 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 yes. That's absolutely right. And so, 
a lot of the time I hear, and so I do a lot of work with girls. And so when I'm going out having these conversations with girls across socioeconomic status, across different incomes, I ask them questions on, okay, well, you know, what is, what is it like being a girl, right? What are all the fun things, you know, what is it like being a girl? And then what is it like being a black girl? And almost always colorism comes up, but then also hair texture. And it's this messaging around where you hear some folks get comments like, you're pretty to be a dark girl, or you're dark, but at least you have like this, this, this good hair, this, this stuff that people believe that really makes you different or not. But these are things that girls see that society is valuing. And so a lot of these conversations and discussions are, it's important to have like these sister circles, these girl groups, where I'm talking to girls and we're talking about the different beauty of, of, of what African-American look like. And so I might show pictures and we show girls with different hair textures, different body sizes, all of those things play into it. And so that increases self-esteem in terms of what we're seeing. But the biggest, the difference between, I know at least when I was growing up, is just the access to social media and Instagram, you have the Twitter, and these things are really impacting girls, so it's really effortful, and we have to be purposeful and intentional about disrupting these, this narrative around colorism and sort of good hair being attached to it, because we see that a lot. And in some cases, there are young women that I spoke to that want to play in the sport in school, particularly swimming, but guess what? They don't want to do it because they know they're going to be made fun of because they have natural and then they always have to wear a swim swim cap. And then their hair, when it's wet, is gonna become, you know, it's there, there's gonna be some shrinkage to it. And so what you see is that girls are not, um, African-American girls are not wanting to be in sports because of that. Now, this is not anything that's sort of generalizable, but this is just with me having conversations with some girls around the way that colorism and this idea, this false narrative we have of what good hair is. Because I think what you- you know what? Why? Why this is so important for me for what you just said is the fact that you know we can we can tackle one issue right right you know be proud of the way you the the color of your skin you're you're beautiful right but it's also like you said really kind of putting those together like what does beauty really mean right how do you see me as being beautiful and why is that important and again linking to self esteem because I feel like you know what. I think as parents, I mean, we can we can do as much as we can, right, to tell our kids they're beautiful. But you said like they, but they have their peers that they're, you know, and and other influences that then pr- create that counter narrative. And then if you've only said like, oh, your skin is beautiful, but then you don't really kind of really think about these other things that are still also important for for someone, right? It's like, do you see me as beautiful, right? I'm beautiful, but what does that really mean right am I pretty you know it's just it's like all these like buzzwords but at the same time it's like it's even deeper than that it's 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 much deeper and the thing is we have to consistently and these are just practical things and and, and I like that you said that because these are practical things that doesn't take again we have to okay first of all we have we as parents have to know where we will you know our own we have to do some self-reflection but telling your child that they're beautiful every single day, telling them to love their skin for who they are, telling them that healthy hair is good hair, right? Recreating 
taking away that narrative and really having a conversation about the ugliness of colorism. When that plays out, because I never forget the most empowering thing my mom did for me, because I was, you know, going through the whole thing in high school, and this was maybe in elementary, middle school, where, you know, I was being made fun of because of my skin tone, because of my um, hair texture, and my mom is fair-skinned, so I just knew that when she came up to the school, people just said she was beautiful, period, right? And so I remember going home, and I remember saying, I want to look like you, and she said, but, Sharita, you do. I was like, no, but you're lighter, and people always say you're beautiful, and they don't say I'm beautiful. So that was the first conversation. Number one, my mom was devastated now that I'm looking back, but she really sat down and spoke to me about colorism, about being beautiful, about loving your skin, about loving your hair, and she never stopped doing it to this day. And so I just remember having that conversation with her, and it's important that we leave room open for that communication. Oh, I think that's I think that's wonderful, wonderful story. And I think exemplifies, like you said, you know, some of the some of the practical things we can do as parents. And one of those practical things that I heard from that experience is being open to the conversation, mm-hmm. listening and reflecting back what your child is, is saying to you or the, what they're experiencing. That's right. And then, you know, she says, Sharita, you know, I'm so glad that you brought this up because I I didn't have the same experience you did, but I want you to know that I understand your experience and I understand. So it was also validating to sort of hear that because she didn't have the tools. I just knew that she was there for the communication piece. But again, for parents who are, you know, who want to have these conversations, we got to do a lot of self-reflection on where we stand around this topic and our own family experiences because sometimes we... We, you know, we, you know, we kiss you. It's, it's intergenerational, right? Sometimes we keep things perpetuated, and if we know that it's unhealthy, we have to sort of have be, be cognizant enough to sort of put a stop to that. So we have to really address colorism, and we have to we we got to shut it down, Jackie. We got to shut it down. And I'm hoping that this conversation um, is a is a conversation starter for many households. In terms of this topic, I think many many parents have already have already dealt with this, right? But again, they may be in a place where they don't know what the next step is. Like, should I, like you said, I mean, I think I think that's is like very insightful, right? I think it sometimes is difficult, right? Something happens to your an experience happens with your child, and you're like, again, you're afraid that okay, if I bring it up, then it's going to make them uncomfortable. When really, it's probably making you uncomfortable because you don't really know what to say or how to say it. But ultimately. It's about you do have to talk about it. That's right. And one of the things I want to say is not communicating, not talking about something is communicating. It is. Oh, we just man. Think that it's not important. Right? And so if this is even racial socialization. It's it's sort of like this, you know, when you talk about like this colorblind ideology, it is this when we don't talk about it, we are talking about it. And that's what we don't want to do. So we have to have these conversations with our kids. And I hope that makes sense, that not communicating really is a form of communication because we're not saying anything about it. Oh, I think, um, I think that's amazing. I think that's, I think that's so true. And I'm hoping that parents really hear that, right? You you know, these, these are hard conversations, but really can't afford 
to neglect the opportunity to talk about it, right? Even when it's awkward, like you said, you do the best you can. You can let your kids know, you know, I may not have all the answers, but let's talk about it. Yeah, yeah, and then be open to, well, you know, let me know if, you know, if this happens again or if you ever feel as if you're being treated differently based on your skin tone, right? And it's, it, and this opens, you know, this opens for communication, but when we don't talk about it, we leave kids with the tools to think, to really, and to be honest with you, to sort of internalize these things. Because, hey, if my parents not talking about it, if no one around me is talking about it, then maybe this is just the norm, right? And so people begin to internalize these things, and then we have to disrupt this. We have to dismantle this kind of stuff. And I'm hoping that this conversation will be a step forward for many families to do that. And I want to thank you so much for joining um, joining me today, Dr. Barnes. Oh, of course. Thank you for having me. I, I, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week on What is Black Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And for more information about the podcast, our blogs, and subscribe to our upcoming newsletter, go to our website at whatisblack.co. As always, subscribe to the show to catch every new episode. And don't forget to leave us a review so we can continue to bring you fresh content. Until next time, thank you for listening.